No! 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 What? Because I was married for two fucking years! You're a cunt, Ryan. You cunt. You're a cunt, Ryan. No, sir, I don't like it. No, sir, I don't like it. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 80 of No, Sir, I Don't Like It. I'm Carmen Morales. I'm your host. With me, as always, the very funny Brian Vokey. Hello, church and voice. <laughs> is it a church? Yeah, yeah. Is it? I think is it's it? the space. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I'm behind an organ right now. Yeah, you, sound like you're, you sound like you're on the stand or and something. And then we have a service <laughs> this afternoon in Espanol, este domingo. We do this service <laughs> on Sunday. We have a special guest today, Mr. John Ennis. Hi. Hi. How hey, are you? guys. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, and thanks for making it over to our theater. It's yeah, this space, space is amazing. They have a theater cat, too, which is pretty cool. Lazarus. Lazarus. Why? Where, where did that come from? Because when we found him, we thought he was dead. Oh, right. Oh, Lazarus that makes sense. comes back from the dead yep. in some book. Some yeah, book? Yeah. yeah, which book? I, I guess I it's called the Bibli. Bibli? Yeah. Oh, that's it. The, the book of... Yes. The Book, the book of, of Mormon? Is it the Book of Mormon? Yeah, it's, I think it's uh, <laughs> the, the Book of the King James Version, where instead of like Jesus isn't even mentioned on the cover, no, nope. no word, you know, about him. But suddenly King James is really the focus because mm-hmm. he paid for the publishing. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, he, he paid. No, he had, like, <laughs> saved a bunch of monks to translate he had it. it. Done. We could say yeah. pay. Yeah. 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 yeah, paid in people's lives. Yeah, yeah. for it sure. Is not killing them. <laughs> yes, exactly. You get to stay. <laughs> King James was, uh, is that the one that the guy wanted a divorce? So he had to. He I thought had to that was reach. King Henry. Was uh, that King the Henry? one he kept killing all his wives? The one, well, one of them like, was like, I can't be Catholic because I want a divorce. So he made up the Church of England, whoever that guy is. It's pretty good. That's powerful. Yeah, that is. Now, King James, most people go, oh, yeah, he just moved from Cleveland to LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My friend was just in Cleveland and uh, they showed their, they had a team store there outside the Cavaliers where they sell all the, and they were selling a shitload of Lakers James jerseys. Oh, wow. They're on gotta, sale. That's no. got to hurt. <laughs> here's here's the guy behind the counter. That? Yeah. Yeah, four of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> As so the, the premise of this podcast is we talk about things that we don't like that's been bothering us lately. Yeah. But before we get into it, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Brondell. Good call. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Brondell, uh, it's a it's a company out of San Francisco, and um, they actually. Uh, do you ever, you ever use a bidet, John? I have. Are you a fan? I don't have one, but I've used one. I've been to nice places. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's great about Brondell is they actually sell those where you can like just put an attachment on your toilet. Oh wow! And then travel so size. They have one where you can even put like yeah, a two liter bottle on it. You just do it, and then you. <laughs> Wherever you are. I love that. I wonder if we put it in the theater, if people would keep coming out of the bathroom like, is there towels? <laughs> <laughs> I do think that they, because uh, like the one that we have. spots on the seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like everybody's bleeding, bleeding anally, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. unfortunately. Yeah, not rather. that fortunate anal bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, they also sell like uh, the uh, air purifiers and like a bunch of other, of other things. And I have heard of them for the air purifiers. Yes. Yeah, and they what's cool is the the one that we have uh, the Swash fourteen hundred. If you're yeah, really we interested. got uh, one each for each of our houses. A seven hundred dollar one. So it's got a blower, so no drip droop. Wow. No drip drip. You get the blower. You get the heated seat. That's it's nice. Re- it's really nice. Never used the heated seat. Not it's yet. LA. Right. Yeah, when yeah are you it's gonna get a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Heated seats on function that is irrelevant to me. But in it's case there. you move, you've got it. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, also, the, this last winter, I didn't have a heater. I just had like a tiny little heater, and it wasn't enough to heat my place. So that toilet seat will serve me well this winter. Oh, that's I nice. Could just, if I'm freezing, I could just go sit on the pot. Just go hang out on the, at the, you know, the, call it the my, office. Yeah. Get my core temperature up, send some emails, conduct some business. That's such modern go. poverty right there. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a lot done in that warm seat. I could only keep myself warm on my toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think there's a lot of warm seats coming up in the next few elections. I uh, hope so. <laughs> Jesus, please. I just uh, registered to vote for the first time ever. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, like, uh, finally. That's what it took. <laughs> I went through, <laughs> went through Bush, went through all that, and I was like, "All right, all right, I'll I got to change." Okay, this. All, right, all right, all right, guys, I'll save you. Yeah, <laughs> I was reading all the president's men because I thought there'll be some fun quotes in there to act like I just know them, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, if I was to just memorize five or six things because it's all coming back in an interesting way. Yeah, yeah. Do you have some quotes? Not yet. Not I yet. just started reading and circling. But it's coming up, I promise. Yeah. So uh, get, check out Brondell. Promo code, One more no thing about sir. Brondell. Let me just ask you a question about okay. Brondell. How would someone find them? What is their website? Brondell.com. Brondell.com. B-R-O-N-D-E-L-L. Brondell.com. And then what's even better about that is if you go there and you buy anything, you put in the promo code, no sir, and you get 20% off. You're kidding me. Yeah. How crazy is that? That is a that great awesome? amount. Yeah. 20%. Yeah. I'm from New England and I love a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't think that's enough savings, imagine a doctor said, I'm going to cut 20% of your limbs off. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. sir podcast. Yeah. Rinse for less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rinse for less. They need to hire you for their promo department. Seriously. Ooh. Ours have been pretty gnarly, all of our promos. <laughs> yeah, this is the first no, like, I heard real. The, uh, the, the, the mention earlier about whatever you said about, now I don't even want to say it, but the um, anal bleeding, I thought maybe that'll be edited. Yeah, nope. It <laughs> no, stays in. It all stays in. Okay. So if they called us and were like, hey, send us a clip of uh, your promos, this would be the one because the other ones are. We go way into worse. depth. We go into depth. We just all talk right. about it because we, we talked like we went our whole lives without having a bidet and then. You know, then we had it. So it the was day a, yeah. you have a bidet yeah, is it was today. The day of the bidet. Yeah, and it and was a big change. It was. That's nice. Yeah, because I mean, both of us tour a lot, and we're not famous comedians, so there's a lot of bad food going through. Okay, mm-hmm. well, you're right. We should stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been what's been bothering you lately? Well, it's funny when Carmen asked me about the, that question. I said, you know, I try to focus. I feel like we only see what we seek. So I'm right. often trying to focus on like the flower coming through the cement. I don't see the cement type of thing. Sure. But as I pondered the question, and I was mm-hmm. glad you asked mm-hmm. me ahead of time, I, I started thinking that, you know, intolerance, you know, when we see somebody who's intolerant of others, and if that's me and I'm looking in the mirror, I really don't like it. Right. But also just uh, uh, if I hear a child being scolded, this affects me in a way I never thought it would, where I'm, I really want to do something, and I'm learning not to say or do anything, right. as long as it's not in, a child in danger, but I really don't like it. I have, I've been teaching kids for a long time, and my feeling is is that everything's a misstep or a mistake. They're not, I mean, I'm sorry, there's no missteps or mistakes. When people treat them like missteps and mistakes, they get angry, but if they just think of it as a learning experience, right. then the kid has the, the, the the ability to grow in front of these people. 
And that's what it is. Growth is doing something that we don't want. And then by contrast saying, what do we want? And I'm trying to always readjust my thinking to what do I want? If I tell the universe what I want, I feel like that's what shows up. If I tell the universe what I don't want, that's coming just as fast, like a train through a dark tunnel. Right. And so I'm, I try to focus on what I, what I do like. However, I also uh, was thinking about how I, I don't like impatience. You know, I, I really appreciate people that are patient because... And that goes back to the whole scolding thing because that's usually where a lot of that comes from is it's the anger and the impatience of dealing with a, with a kid. You know right, what I mean? of grow now, mm-hmm. already be... A, Why don't you just know yeah. all the Why stuff Why can't you be enlightened at five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super, it's, and it's super fresh because it, it's literally the most ignorant you could ever be as a yeah, child. Yeah, yeah. That's you know? what it is. And it's, then you're mad that they don't have all of the information that's yeah, downloaded like, on who, your house. Whenever like we're really... alive for 50 years. That's right. And how, and how, how are, I think anytime we're mad at someone else, it's usually a reflection of ourself. So we're seeing ourself in that, especially with our child. Especially with your child because it is part of it. And you. also you're saying, wow, I haven't taught you that yet. Yeah. What a a dick I must be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're frustrated with that. Otherwise, because most parents can come around to, I'm sorry, I got so upset. But it's Mm -hmm. very difficult for a kid to accept that because the minute they give in that they're sorry, the kid goes, yeah, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Because they realize that they were treated poorly. Or they also learn the behavior that it's okay to lash out at people as long as you apologize later. Yes. As opposed to learning how to be patient and dealing with with shit logically. Another thing I hate is the things I want. Like sometimes the things I want, like I have like 47 days of sobriety right now and I'm upset with myself when I'm I'm wanting the thing that I know I don't want. Like I know I don't want that. It's been feeling great, but why do I want that at the end of the day? Or, Or food, you know, why do I want this food? Like last night we had a class in the theater and someone brought in two plates of cookies and no one would eat them because all of their habits are better than mine. So <laughs> I kept justifying. They were chocolate chip and they were melty and they were good. Uh, and I kept walking up thinking like the kid word. who made them had come in and he is, was new to us. Uh, his name is Paul. He was a wonderful actor, a great guy. But he was sort of like, nobody wants my cookies. And I oh, just he, kept oh, going, no, honey, I do. This is Los Angeles. I, this is how I can justify eating most of them. See, yeah. I'll make him feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just kept like reaching for just the one and then wandering back and going, okay, go on, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but, I, but I, am, I am upset with myself when I want these things. So that's kind of silly because, you know, we can, we can adjust and we can decide that's not what I want. But I realized this. I can't quit anything, mm-hmm. but I can form a new habit that takes its place. Sure. So like instead of... Like a dry drunk? Well, yeah, but instead of like breaking open my eighth in the morning, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and if I don't have to work, I never get high when I work, but I would break open an eighth in the morning and it would be like a sacrament thing. And yep. now I just get great coffee beans mm-hmm. and grind them myself and mm-hmm. then put them in my special cafe solo. I think that's also made in San Francisco. Yep. But then like do it my way and the way it's supposed to be that these kids in intelligentsia taught me the the winners yeah. who, who won the tournaments and have all the trophies taught yeah. me because I was in there every day. I'm like, what do you do to make the perfect cup? Mm-hmm. And they all had sort of different varying opinions, but all of them were valuable. And it was about like, first, heat the glass before putting any coffee grounds or and it. You heat the glass up, then you pour that hot water out of the glass and wait a minute. And I'm like, wait, but you just heated the glass. And they're like, yes, but now the water shouldn't be at full temperature when you're making the coffee. It should be about 10 degrees below boiling. 
So all these things start to be like, well, I could do that, and I could do that, and then I could do everything perfect. Right. Just the way it's supposed to be. So my cup of coffee is an extraction of the bean. Okay. So anyway, what I don't like is not knowing what that thing is that I want when I don't, when I'm not supposed to do the thing that I wanted at one point anymore. Right. I see that with stand-up all the time. There's things that I want that uh, just aren't available to me, and so I start to come up with reasons why it's fucking stupid. <laughs> That's, right. That's what I mean. I grew up Catholic, and I can justify yeah. anything. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I have a really excellent system of justification. Right, yeah, But yeah, now yeah. I'm justifying in the other direction most yeah. of the time. Yeah, I'm just like, dude, every late night set I've seen has sucked for two years. Fuck late night. Oh, that's I don't want, you know, you know, like I don't want that's that. I've wanted. God damn it. <laughs> it doesn't mean my set had to suck. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tank this. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I really did what I set out to do. Yeah. <laughs> this is so much safer. It is yeah. safer. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I don't, I, there's something about uh, art where I uh, I don't like when people are upset with themselves. Right. You know, and that's really on me. I should let people be upset with themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's part how, of the process. Yeah, it's how they're going to grow and how they're going to reach for what, as we said, what they want. For sure. But, but I'm trying to talk them out of being upset with themselves because I truly do see, like, the two of you as mm-hmm. legitimate, wonderful artists, and I barely know you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, but I do, and you know the minute I met you, mm-hmm. I, I was immediately like, wow, you got something. I know you do. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way about you today, Drew. So, you know, that... Brian. That, that's Brian. See what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so Is Drew a better name, though? Yeah, no, I like it. Dr- Drew I thought, Oki? I th- Not bad. Yeah, I'm sorry, Brian. I'm definitely going <laughs> to call you Drew if I see you on the drawing. street. I'm going to be like, Drew! And you're going to be like, who is that? Yep. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't like change. You know, there's two things alcoholics don't like. Change and the way things are right now. <laughs> and so straight out of the big book that's someone from the big book that yeah. like was born from it but yeah. yes the other, the other, so you know I've come around or come around to the way of this way of thinking which is more bumper stickers from my life but it's easier to put on a comfortable pair of slippers than it is to carpet the world right 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 so right, right. the the idea of like well what if I just make me comfortable and stop trying to fix all the people who are uncomfortable with themselves right and then if they're attracted to it if they're if there's a laws of attraction we'll say mm-hmm. well those people will come and ask about things but unsolicited advice is still criticism yes so i'm trying very hard in my life i to wish you would have told me this before <laughs> i started dating every single broken piece of shit i've ever met well yeah. you know there's I'll something, save all of them there's something attractive about that broken piece of shit yeah you know and i call them uh what's the word um growing towards themselves i don't look at it like they are going to stay that way so like you i have lots of hope in my heart for everyone and thinking they could definitely elevate where they're at and go somewhere with this you know yeah you date people on potential that's yeah (laughs) yeah and if i have a kid in a a class of mine with with like a young kid nine or ten years old say i don't want to do this anymore i'm like me either what should we do (laughs) and then i'll do what they say yeah and in that moment that's what i want to do i want to keep them engaged and 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 excited about art you know i'd kind of uh i don't like when my mom calls me and i haven't done the things i'm supposed to do now i'm old enough to not have to deal with mom if i didn't want to (laughs) right but i've noticed that when she calls and i haven't done what i'm supposed to do my voice goes up about 10 octaves so it goes Mm -hmm. from like yeah let's get the theater seats in there and pull these people hi mom you know, like, like, like literally, and she'll go, what's wrong? 
And, and with all that love in my voice and all that, like, what do you mean? I just showed you how great things are. And she's like, right. And if you weren't, if you were actually, things were really great, you wouldn't have to put that on. Yeah. yeah. What's going Falsetto. on? So what's up? Yeah. So what did you steal from Whole Foods? <laughs> <laughs> did you take a bar of soap? <laughs> Cliff bars? Cliff yeah, bars. She knows I'm, I'm, I, I love the word gay. Growing up, yep. the word gay, the word retarded so, it's so re- meant very different things. But yeah. now I love the word gay because so many of my friends are gay and they're such wonderful human beings. And so sometimes I can't help but say things like, well, I'm gay for soap, mm-hmm. sheets, right. And also uh, socks. Mm-hmm. You know, these are three things I'm really gay about. Right. And by that, I just mean I'm not afraid to be who I am and want those things. And, mm-hmm. and it's okay for me to say, oh, my God, those pink socks are amazing. I want them. Mm-hmm. Or the soap that smells like licorice or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like the sheets that are like the highest count of Egyptian cotton. Right. You know, like whatever oh, that is yeah. to me. The kind of sheets that make you never want to get out of bed. Yes, and these are all the positives. Bed. Mm. Right. These are all positives. <laughs> and, I have know, a theory, though, that I think how, like, if you're of the race, the racial slur becomes yours. I think people from New England should be, like, the retarded is our word. Yeah. If you're from, if you're from, yeah, because we're challenged. Yeah, it's so, it, yeah. so we're challenged for being from we New England. We got a bunch of tea in the yeah. water, so we don't know no better. Yeah, like, yeah, if somebody's like, you can't say that. You're like, oh, uh, no, I'm from Maine. I'm like, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Okay. But my son, with many of my, my son's friends, when he introduces me to anyone, he'll say, this is Jamie, and their pronouns are she and her and it won't matter if that person has any leanings in any direction he does this with all his friends so that his friends are that are going through something like this aren't going to feel pointed out aren't going to feel like there's a spotlight on them but of course that just makes me as a dad shut up and not say anything because i'm afraid of what i might say exactly Mm because i don't want to say hey he's doing great i mean they're doing i mean we're doing ah fuck yeah Yeah. and so i know there's new verbiage Mm -hmm. right you know uh but Mark Twain said, people tend to say the distant cousins of the words they mean. Just say Mm -hmm. the words. Right. And that's sort of where the word verbiage, I'm making fun of myself because I could just say words. But but the point is, like, it is important, I think, to sort of cherish everyone for exactly who they are and not hope for them to change. So it's my own ability to do that that sort of thrills me. And when I can't do it or I get upset with something or someone... I have all these sort of step ladders. I wish it was a full ladder, mm-hmm. but a sort of step ladder towards the understanding that I want to have. You know, right. so that's, yeah, you really are a teacher. It is pouring out of you. Well, you know what it is. <laughs> I, I realized a long time ago that I I'm learning so much from every human being that comes before me that I'm right. lucky enough to connect with. That I'm learning so much that yes, I'm a teacher, but I'm also a really absorbent learner. And so, so many of the things I'm saying are from the experience I've had with but another person. But isn't that person. the theory? The teachers are always just lifelong students? Yes. Mm. And collaborating with yeah. somebody, hopefully, you know, you listen. This podcast is already sounding like, you know when you're in, at a red light and you're in front of a van that is covered in 9,000 bumper stickers? Yes. The- I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's so far. We've had like 9,000 quotes. There's a line. <laughs> like, yeah, there's yeah. a line in this play we're directing right now, <laughs> Book of Liz by Amy and David Sedaris. Uh-huh. And there's a line where the person says, it's like that bumper sticker on the back of your van. And the guy goes, oh, one day at a time? No, no, um, the other one. Oh, um, you're only sick as your secrets? No. <laughs> No, the one that's above the rainbow on the same side as the as the muffler, and it's three above that. 
<laughs> and that's sort of where, you know, uh, but yeah. this is in the beginning when I first started going to those meetings, it was like five or six or seven years ago, and I had close to three years sobriety. But the point is, those things pissed me off. I was like, my the understanding. Chestnuts, the, the, yeah, the because I didn't know what they book. meant. Yeah. So it was sort of like, yeah, go ahead, throw my day to the wind with this bullshit. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, know what yeah. you're talking about. Well, yeah, then it yeah, goes yeah. back to the Mark Twain thing. You should just say, Exactly what you mean. Instead of all these like frilly metaphors and all this, but I do feel like we, as a as a as human beings, when we have the understanding, when we are slowed down enough, that mm -hmm. some of those things can start to be like, that's what I need to repeat in my head as a mantra, right? To get through this, for this. day, yeah, for just this. to get to make, through this to make day. This Something happens, sense. and mm -hmm. now I go <gasps> bumper sticker version instead mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. my crazy brain, mm -hmm. which sometimes won't let me off the hook. Who has that bit? About let me get to know you guys a little bit. So you're from Maine, and yeah. you're you're from Florida, mm -hmm. and how did you guys meet? We, we went on a here. road date. Like, oh, uh, nice. There so was four comics. Gigs, yeah. Where was that? Arizona. Arizona. We went to, we did gigs in Mesa, and it was like a mutual friend of ours, and it was like a carpool situation. And yeah, that's where we met. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then it's been just through osmosis of us being in the same city doing the same things. Nice. And I, we yeah, just kinda I love Arizona. Yeah. I was just there last weekend. I could tell you some things I don't like about <laughs> it. <laughs> I was just there two weekends ago too, yeah. but but it was it was all good. I, I, there's something about the people there working on shoots there. I feel like it's a, an incredibly great family, number one, because a lot of the same people work on jobs there because they're like the ones who have achieved the status to get hired for something that's coming in from another place. Right. So it's, a, it's an older group of people for the most part, but it is like a family in a way of like, brought, I brought my egg salad. You know, like there's yeah, just something yeah, yeah. about it that's yeah. really pretty magical. Because it's, it's a much smaller, t as opposed to like Los Angeles, which has every every grip, every bit, like every, you know what I mean? Every single one of all of them is yeah. here. Yeah, we then all do go, something. Are you yeah. talking about like the film industry is yeah. smaller in Arizona? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So way and smaller. Also, so the like comedy people there were fantastic. Like I worked with a bunch of kids who had gone mm -hmm. to ASU but now have their own comedy groups, one in particular called Pizza Party. Um, another one called Dawson's Queef. Um, but, but these guys, is that the name of the show, Dawson's Creek? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, anyway, these guys were really funny. They're going to come here to this theater and do some shows when they make their way through. But I was very impressed with how funny they were. I, uh, I was just doing stand-up out there, and uh, they, they kind of just had a big, their kind of top heap moved here. So they're kind of going through a growing thing with stand-up where they're like, uh, like, because what's funny is I didn't realize, but they, these comics in Arizona were like, oh, do you know any of the Arizona comics in L.A.? And I started listing. And I was like, oh, I know like 15 comics from Arizona. Yeah. Right. I live in L.A. And I was like, yeah. and they're like, yeah, they all left. <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> we're starting from scratch, kind of. There's That's like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good time to get in. But it's like, coming up next, because so-and-so's not here, we're going to have... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> This is this archetype of that kind of comedian. Yeah, and normally this would not be a headliner, but what? it's all we've got left. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Joy Phillips. One of the things that uh, I experienced in Arizona that actually relates to what you were talking about, about making other people feel better, um, is I was working with, uh, I'll just go ahead and say it, I won't say his name, but a very lazy booker who did not put the effort into his room. That, <laughs> uh, and it's I'm just, certain you've heard of yeah. such type of people. Right? Oh, sure. And it just seems to have no interest in making it good for anybody. And then he makes himself the victim of his own situation. And I found myself on the Friday night show consoling him and protecting his ego. And then I was driving back to where we were staying. And I was like, 
Man, fuck that guy. He didn't do anything. <laughs> was, all his job was was this stuff, yeah. and yeah. now he didn't do it, and then he's lamenting about not doing it. And I'm thing. making him feel better. Yeah. It's cool, man. Don't, yeah, I was don't like, worry. I don't deserve, We're good. Like, Just yeah. give me my check. Dude, yeah. I, do the, I go through that with, like, I have a T-shirt guy. T-shirt guys are always in the worst state of their lives at all times. <laughs> Anytime there's a guy who's professionally making T-shirts, he's always going through a divorce. It's like, how many? How many are you going through? You got always got to have the same excuse. And it's always like... And I, at this point, it used to be like I would give him a couple weeks notice. And yeah. now it's like I'm giving him over a month, like a month and a half. And it's still the day before. The, and then it's like, oh, fuck. I don't know. Uh, and it's always everything's in shambles all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. Jesus Christ, man. Like, I get it. But there's only so much patience that I can have. At some point, you need to do something. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I think that victim thing is a, is a good one because... Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons I, I didn't get sober for me recently. I was doing this like, why is everyone turning my life into shit? <laughs> right. And then there's a, yeah. there's a saying where it's like, hey, if you bump into more than two assholes in a day, there's a good chance it's you. Yeah, 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 exactly. So start, I started just thinking about how much I love the people that were coming to me with the information that they needed to share and how I wasn't being able to be present for it because mm-hmm. I was like, not right now. I'm high. <laughs> like, easy, don't easy. bother on, me with that. Yeah, yeah, I just worked all day and I took one hit and now this is when you come at me. Well, this is the only time I'm available. Yeah. So I just realized, well. And you allotted that time to get high as opposed uh, well, to. Well, at least feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, if it's not through that, then I, now I walk my dog more mm-hmm. than I did. So my dog is thrilled with not getting high. <laughs> you know, just being able to like do that as a different it's kind like of a It's like the buzz. old PSAs, like when you go to pick up a pipe or a joint or something, right. his little paw just comes and like <laughs> it brings the like leash over PSA. <laughs> hang out with your pets more right. get high less this is gonna be a new dialogue that people are having is getting sober from weed cause mm-hmm. like in my mind I still have that mentality that everybody had with weed where it's like what do you mean you got sober from weed's not a problem yeah no right. it's not you know but no, like, that's, that's really good. true yeah. but There's... now that it's in every single block <laughs> yeah and like I love a pie on a shelf yeah there's a pie on a shelf on every shelf I want walk by and it all smells like the pie I want. Yeah. And so I got to eat more real pie and talk myself out of that pie. Yeah. And you know, that's all right. It doesn't oh, mean man. forever. That's the one day thing. The one day at a time thing helps me because I'm like, yeah, it's just today. Fuck it. It's just today. Like I take the severity off of like, I need three years. Right. Yeah. Then, yeah. You know, yeah. maybe, no, just you know, and this today. way, if you guys see me and I'm like, you want some of this, yeah, yeah. Some of this? you know, you'll realize, oh yeah, well he was taking a break. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's also just good to take a break in general, just for your own brain chemistry. You that, I, mean? I mean, that I was waking up with sleep apnea, wondering what is wrong. Yeah, what a kind of water did they have in that job today? Like, what <laughs> is wrong with me? You're blaming it on alkaline yeah. water. Yeah, and now <laughs> I'm going into Valley stores and I'm going like, thanks a lot for my change. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have the emotional sobriety <laughs> to deal with the feelings I've been holding back and pushing under. I'm always okay. Because as soon as I don't feel okay, I just sort of take care of it. But now that I'm like not doing that, I'm I'm realizing, oh my God, I'm joyful about way too much. Like I'm way too fucking happy Mm -hmm. just about having my full uh, abilities, which is not that full. Yeah. But you know what I mean? (laughs) Like being able to use everything and have fuller days and like I'm waking up early because I don't have a way to sleep in now or like right. I don't stay up I, although I don't know if you guys have seen Ozarks my my roommate is obsessed with it I oh my god I mean obsessed with it I watched one and I was like what time is it 
Yeah. Because it, it, it's the, you know, Netflix is so wonderful for that, where it's like, I'm going to watch the whole movie. Yeah. And I watched all 10 episodes in a 24 hour period, and now wow. I'm just depressed that it's over. So I'm watching Bloodline, which I don't know if you guys have seen any of this. I literally start, I only got Netflix back. Like, I let it fade and i got it back just to watch the new episodes of ozarks oh wow and now oh, this wow. show bloodline is worth it man it's got sam shepherd and sissy spacek and that's all you need to know it's it's that good that they got the two of them to be in it that's funny i got netflix back to watch the new mr show shows oh that's how i got that's it. nice that's not a hear. lie There's well that's not. another thing i hate that we're not doing more right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun it was like yeah. mr show of shows but that last episode the documentary part was the coolest thing to oh, me oh nice I mean, the oh, sketches the process yeah seeing the process oh, yeah, was, it was insane. really cool that's cool yeah. that's it's the only part i did not watch yet i was just afraid i'd be bitter that i wasn't in it more right that makes but, sense but i didn't watch that one part i watched all the sketches i was delighted i had it's so much fun just as good those guys are such good people david and bob they're yeah, such yeah, yeah. good people and they're so kind and and truly like i'm amazed at the growth of the people around me from yeah. when we used to do it to when we do it now yeah. just like everyone's lovely i mean mr show is why i do stand up I mean, that was like the first comedy thing I was obsessed with when I was a kid. And I used to quote you every day in high school. I used to do the, no, not gay. No, no gay son of mine's a not gay. (laughs) That line. You better get gay or (laughs) I'll make you gay. Yeah. 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 Uh, Those are the kind of things where I never wrote on Mr. Show at all. But when I walked in and realized, I get to say this? Yeah. Oh, my (laughs) God. And my mother never liked the show, never understood the show. It was but one she of those would... classic shows where like, sometimes your, your parents just wouldn't get oh, it. Well, that's what I was going to say is that I loved that she didn't like it. I'm like, oh, you yeah, don't yeah, like yeah. it? It must be You're good. You're onto something. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and she would say like, well, I really liked the green outfit they put you in. You know, like that would be sort of the peak. And then the same thing because I had young kids at the time. I wouldn't hang out with those guys um, and like party after the shows. Sure. Most of the time, I would go home because I had mm-hmm. missed out on them all day, and I would go home to my young children. And Brian Pusain be like, "You're so gay, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're so gay." And then, who are you and, gonna and, be a and, dad? And, right, but now Brian has a child, <laughs> yeah. and he's twice as gay as I was, <laughs> and lovely and sweet. My uh, experience on that was um, always thinking I was going to get. Fired. Right. The whole time we did it. I just thought. Really? so strong on it. I know that now. Yeah, you were like very integral to it. At the time, when you read who you're going to be in that episode, and then you're doing the bits, and you're like, I hope this doesn't get cut. I love this bit. Yeah. But I just always felt so lucky to be around so many brilliant people. Like, I was a good actor. David and I connected very early in college as, as a comedic duo because he had severity and I had love. Right, and so we did like things together where he would like make people hate him, and then I would come out and beg their forgiveness, and then he would come back out and make them hate us again. That's my role. I was going to say that's kind role. of our dynamic. I'm, I'm severity, <laughs> and, and I awesome. love. That's so good. I right? always it think, works. I always think that maybe I should have been a bad guy wrestler. I hate lifting weights, but like I, <laughs> I love. I wouldn't want to do any of the work, <laughs> but I just so love funny. being a bad guy. <laughs> I just love getting booed sometimes. It, it really it, like, from. There, anything is up. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, you're making them feel something, which is part of it, which right. is really fun. But They're like, listening. I, yeah. <laughs> I do this show where I reenact movies. It's like improvised movies called Comedian Cinema Club. And I'm always begging to be the bad guy because 
and stand up. I mean, if I'm getting paid, I do eventually have to make them laugh. It's like <laughs> it's part <laughs> of the deal. Yeah. But right. when, I, when I'm a bad guy in the movie and I can just make it as bad as I want, and they just start throwing drinks or booing at me, <laughs> it is. I'm in just heaven. Who knew Gigi Allen could be in so many films? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Was this cross comedy you're talking about? Did you do that? We were in This Is Pathetic at pathetic. Emerson College together. David mm-hmm. and I got to when David came into the group. I had been in it for one year, and he came in, and they let us improv together when he was auditioning and everyone in the group was just like oh my god just tell that guy just tell him he's in like there was this long process of callbacks Mm -hmm. and everything they were like John just tell him he's in and I was like hey David you're in he's like yeah but I gotta go to the other audition for Comedy Workshop now (laughs) and we were (laughs) and we were all like wait what you know what do you mean like don't do that and he's like no no I mean I already signed up I gotta go do it and we were like oh no because we our group started because of a bunch of people the year before me that did not get into comedy workshop and then they were like the pissed off guys in the hall going fuck those people why don't we just get our own show Yeah. why don't we just (laughs) do our own group and then after like five people go yeah they go hey why don't we just get our own group Sure. and we don't even have to be mad about it yeah Yeah, that's the best way to do it in fact why push off the other funny people at the school what if we embrace those people and we said like both comedy shows coming up this weekend and next you know what if we were the comedy world and we felt like the Beatles because we were in that little tiny environment sure yeah, yeah this yeah. is pathetic we felt like the beatles yeah and maybe comedy workshop was the dave clark five anyway <laughs> <laughs> it, it, if you haven't heard of them that's oh, the no, point I know exactly, okay good i know exactly but, what you meant but they were great too and i still <laughs> still friends with all those people as well yeah. but the point was that you know it, it felt great to be somewhere where you're like this is show business right we're at a great school emerson to me was a great school mm-hmm. i loved it but you know, to be like have lines around the block for our shows, as you guys know, those are the mm-hmm. moments in life when you're like, I made it. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of how good. much I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's all up in here. Yeah, for sure. The way we feel about ourselves. That's the whole thing. Whenever you get something and then you're like, what's next? It's because you're like, all right, I feel this feeling. What do I have to do to feel the feeling again? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I think, why there's no amount of weed or booze or anything that's mm-hmm. ever going to get us as high as we are when we kill on stage. Oh, for so sure. So we watch oh, all God. of our friends just try to pour over and get to that place or even just dull the pain of not still being out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I was always impressed with comics who would get an hour because my thing was like, I wanted to do something different every time. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. want to repeat material. So right. if I was invited into stand-up worlds or whatever, I would do a bit, and the next time a different bit. Right. But not ever perfecting that bit to the point of like, yeah, I've already seen him do this. Like, I didn't like watching people do something over and over and over sure, again. Sure, that makes sense. I just yeah, yeah. didn't, that wasn't an attraction to me. Mm-hmm. But I am well aware that there are comedians that I know today that are still doing material from 20 years ago and making a living at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like they're gold. It's or they're, not a good living. They're gems. Well, <laughs> some of them are on a ship. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I we mean, talked about that on here, too. Are you saying Jerry yeah. Seinfeld doesn't make a good living? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. He's got some 30-year-old jokes that yeah. he pulls out. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes maybe just what the brain is triggered by is like, you know what? I got to bring some gold in with my new bronze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for you know, sure. Like I've come up well, with that's these new been ideas. Like the stand-up rule is if you have a new bit and you're not sure about it, you put a bit that you know works in front of it and after it, and then you sandwich it in. Yeah. So then they don't know if the inside's imitation crab or the real deal. You know? A dear friend of mine who's an editor talks about how they'll edit in an important piece of information in a film after they've watched 10 different audiences laugh at the same part of a film. So like he's watching on a big screen, he's watching the audience, and on a little screen, the film with a time code. And if that you know, 21 minutes and 15 seconds, every time they laugh, he goes, okay, here's where we layer in what they have to know 
later right. in the film because everyone, when they laugh, we open up ourselves. We go, ah, ha, ha, and we've opened up our brains to the information that could come next. Oh, that's interesting. And so it's a, it's a cool wow. editing tool, but it's also good for comics because you go, yeah. oh, right, I want them to remember something about what I'm going to say in a little while, like, or for my callback, sure. or whatever it is, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. the place. When everybody crushes and you're sitting there stalling and coming up with the next thing, if you're getting that huge response, it's like, I can say something important now mm-hmm. and lead into the next thing, but they're going to remember it because as a group, they're the most open in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really in tune. Yeah. So wh- what's your level of involvement with comedy right now? I mean, I uh, was just did a show the other night with my daughter, Jessie Ennis, who's in uh, the new film Life of the Party as one of the main girls. Oh, really? Yeah, and she was in Better Call Saul for eight episodes or ten episodes, and she was in Love for a number of episodes, and she was in Veep for some episodes, and she's uh, she's got a whole bunch of stuff coming out right now, but she's really magnificent. And I got to do a show at UCB with her that was mm-hmm. for a guy named Chris Watoski, who was also in Love. Did you see Love at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know when the... Um, the amazingly funny Australian girl um, switches boyfriends at the end of uh-huh. this. So the, the guy who's the new boyfriend who does right. that wonderful scene where he's like apologizing to uh-huh. the old boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he does comedy? Because he loves them too. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. very funny. In fact, we've worked together collaborating on stuff in the past just in like an acting class he came into and right away I realized, wow, this guy's gifted. Yeah. Oh, but, cool. Uh, so that, you did a show So we did it. It was his uh, upcoming podcast. He hasn't like put them out yet but i think he's done five or six of them mm-hmm. but it was me and my daughter sharing stories of what it was like to grow up in comedy oh that's cool yeah it was that really nice fine so then and on the 15th i'm doing a show ask cat at ucb uh-huh, of course where i'm the monologist i've done that a dozen times and i i posted the midnight show yeah, a yeah. dozen times it's now over but they were the best comedy group of the last decade here in la mm-hmm. um and then you know so many anytime a comedy group second city uh i haven't done the groundlings in like 10 years but second city I've done lots of shows for them, like come in and there's a show called TMI that's very strong there for a long time. I've done shows at Improv Olympic for Mm -hmm. a show called Armando. So I help in all those ways in comedy. But then, you know, my life is sort of constantly working with the the greatest material coming through everyone's hands. I get to see it because I have so many actors that I coach, so many comedy stars that are upcoming. You know, there's so many people that I get to you know, collaborate with. And so it's basically every day. My idea is the old severity, the severity of saying the most harsh thing in the room, Right to me, in my life, in my world, is over for me. But sure. to say the most loving version of that information, to me, is the new severity. Because that's now how I get people to laugh, is go so far with love that it becomes funny. Like, because they go, that can't be real. He can't really love us all that much. That's so stupid. Yeah. But, like, in a show, I'll be like, I can't believe we're all here together. Thank you so much, you folks in the audience, for making it all the way here, for making, taking time out of your lives to uh-huh. have this collection of people together. It's really well. Where the fuck is my light? <laughs> and by starting out is such a loving vibe mm-hmm. that's where the other one becomes a joke and it's right. they know i'm kidding because how could i be Have doing front loaded yeah, all that stuff. that's yeah. what i mean right, so the right, front loading right, right. you know of it, it can we can still get in the severe yeah mr rogers with a temper yes in yeah. fact mr rogers is who i would love to be i would yeah. love to have the new mr rogers be me i really would that man raised me yeah i, I watched me that too. thing three days a, three times a day when i was home like it was on on Channel 2, which was PBS mm-hmm. in Boston, and then it was on Channel 56, and then it was on 2 again in the afternoon after Sesame Street and Electric Company. So 
those shows to me were like the loving version of television. Mm -hmm. The part I could understand, the part that like as a very young person, watching someone be nice to everyone. You know, there's a, there's a wonderful thing in the documentary about him right now, but I had saw it when I was a kid where it was a, a African-American mailman yeah. comes in and he puts his feet into a tub with him because at the time they were talking about public swimming. Yeah, how not, they could, yeah, they weren't Not letting to, people yeah. swim the in the same pool. They're talking about that. Yeah. yeah, and in that moment, I remember it as a kid yeah. thinking like, oh, that's so nice. Like, look how nice that is. Like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't have anything to do. Like, he, Mr. Rogers doesn't care. Yeah. Neither do I. Right. And the opposite of Mr. Rogers was was Carol O'Connor, another hero of mine. Yeah, yeah. Because talk about things we don't like. You know, I don't like watching somebody not understand. You know, I don't like the, uh, the trying to say to myself, well, are they worth talking to about this? And right. if so, like, again, the thing that I mentioned earlier about um, unsolicited advice is still criticism. You know, criticizing somebody for being a racist or for being a sexist or mm -hmm. for being a misogynist or for being blank blank and blank doesn't fix it no you know no, the only thing usually that, makes them double down right so well, the only thing like that can thing fix that it is about, kindness yeah that's another thing that we talk about all the time on here is like that's not the way you change anything is yeah. yelling all of those things at somebody but you can lead anything. with happiness for sure and you can lead with with uh, a sense of enlightenment that's not preaching to them but it's just saying like oh but i'm so much happier since i stopped hating people that had you know uh big feet <laughs> or, or people that have, you know, whatever. Right, like, right. it doesn't matter what the thing is. You know, the, if uh, when you meet one good person, no matter who they are, if there's something that that good person really doesn't like about another type of people, a stereotype of people, I've always thought that, you know, any kind of a, a blanket statement, that blanket has holes in it. That, yeah, that, then that, it starts, yeah, you start getting... Then it's by influence. Because yes. then they're like, I met, oh, you may, it may be, because that's a lot of times it's not necessarily from hate, but from ignorance. So, go. or a lack of experience. Yes. And that's the thing that people just d refuse to acknowledge. Yes. That it's not all the same. Like, right, like I mean, uh, that's, a, that's an ignorant thought to think that everybody's feelings uh, in racism, in misogyny. I mean, like, if you had a mom that beat the shit out of you all the time, I could understand where you could have a little hate in your heart for women. You right. know what I mean? And yeah. so you would need to be more patient. And that's the thing that I'm constantly talking about is, is patience <laughs> is the only way that we get anything changed at all. Also, you know? if we're disappointed with our family that we came in with, mm -hmm. it's important to know that we can choose our family now. You right. Know, that the people that you, you know, you clearly, you guys are like brother and sister. Yep. The people that you cherish the most you know, that's your family. These are the people you're going to go to with the things that you want to talk about in this life. You know, and, and if somebody's mom beats them, it's important, I think, to look for another mom. And it doesn't have to be a woman. It doesn't have to be, you know, a specific thing. It can be like, wow, this person's really good at mentoring me or at, at being a maternal figure. Right. You know, I, I do think I was raised by my mom, and I do think I have a maternal instinct with a lot of people that's like, oh, they just need someone to hug them. They just need somebody to be nice. And a lot of times that, that's the case. That yeah, let just me lacking, make you some vegetarian chili. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's going to be so good. Yeah. I'm, I'm like so contrast to this perspective. Like I agree. I think you're right. I don't I don't, I don't think the way I am, but I think I'm, I'm literally sweating right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing all this like positivity and this love stuff. Like, it's, I don't know. I just know I'm not good with it. And it's making me uncomfortable. I don't know if it's the sun up there. but I'm, <laughs> Well, no, it is the sun. But I also think that, you know, the, <laughs> like, the, the I'm having an allergic what? reaction. 
action. The aspect of why do you think that is? <laughs> I don't care. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but some people find it false. And you know, I don't that's, think it doesn't. You're not when coming I, across as false to me. No, I know. I can tell yeah. by your eyes that yeah. that's not what you think. I'm just saying, for some people, an overloaded of like, all right, will you shut up about how much you love everyone? <laughs> right, right, right. You're bugging me because I don't. Yeah. So just give me my freedom to fucking be mad at shit. I was and literally you thinking in my head, God, I hope somebody cuts me off or pulls a move out of here so I can just scream at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Go hang out in the Whole Foods parking lot. Yeah, exactly. You'll be. Everyone's going in for enlightenment. But they're not yeah. being able to park to Coming get out it out with entitlement. They're, yeah. God damn it! Who <laughs> my park? I just well, I was going to park there. From enlightenment to entitlement. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, that's the next podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good. But I do. Do think, you ever find yourself hoping somebody fucks with you just so you can do something with that energy in your stomach? I really like the idea. <laughs> I used to get like mad at the shopper in front of me if they would be disrespectful to the person that they were talking to. Oh, and yeah. I yeah. want to oh, stick up for that person because I, I am everyone and I see myself as just one of us. And that's yep. sort of where I'm delighted with myself. And now, like, if ego comes into the room in a creative situation, the creative situation's kind of over. Yeah, for sure. Because ego destroys. So if I get to the end of my day and I haven't thought about John Ennis, I'm sort of like, hey, man, thanks for not showing up. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. so engaged. I appreciate with, you taking the day off. Dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck that guy. What a yeah. prick. And so, so ego is definitely one of those things. So I, was, I heard someone say recently, "Ego is not my amigo." Right. You know, the, <laughs> right. the idea of like me, 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 and what happened to me, and why didn't I get this sooner? Why can't I have this more? Mm-hmm. You know, like all that stuff never served me well. You know, if it had, I'm still, I'd still be holding on to it, but it hasn't. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. To, to be easier on myself, you know, there's an interesting thing when you forgive all the different people in your life for the different things, for the severity, right. for the different things you've been through, for the, you know, whatever it is. If you get that list going and you go, wow, I really did a good job. I've forgiven everybody. You bring the mic closer. I'm sorry. I've forgiven everybody. And if I've really done a good job with forgiving everybody, all of a sudden, there's my name on the list. And yeah. that's sort of an incredible moment of like, wait, I can forgive me for being a dick? This could take a while. Yeah. But what a fucking thing to see that, like, I'm the next in line. I can't come up with anyone else. Oh, yeah, I can come up with one more. Okay, the mailman. Now me. (laughs) And then when that happens, it's almost like a death to the old self of, like, oh, I can move past all those things I didn't care for in me. Right. If I forgive myself, then maybe I can ease up on other people, and then that's going to let me ease up on myself again. So I'm not some fucking glory hole. I don't (laughs) fucking just have like, oh, I got all the answers. Most days I don't. Sure. But this stuff, like talking with other people, sharing our stories, you know, uh, trying to explain what we feel about the world, you know, it helps. Yeah, for sure. I uh, Yeah, that's like the most positive suicide. It would be nice to just kill all the bad parts of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a third suicide on Wednesday yeah, 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 yeah. and another it's third killing, next Wednesday. I'm killing jealousy. I'm hanging my jealousy. It's yeah. compartmentalized <laughs> suicide. Yeah, exactly. Well, somebody said, you're not jealous? Uh, and I said, you know, what's interesting is I have always been so jealous. Yeah, it's, you said you didn't watch the fourth ep- the last episode of Mr. Show. Well, you were, no, but no, no, but it's more about uh, letting ego come in. Yeah. Like, what does it matter what does it matter? Like, I will watch it, but it's almost like saving the last episode of Breaking Bad or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, oh, now I can go see that. Now I'll feel better about seeing that. But I want to watch it when they tell us we're doing more. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and watch it then. Because, you know, I, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I guess what I, what I said wasn't really accurate. What I, mean, what I meant was 
I had such a great experience with that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the chunks that other people saw because it removes all the chunks that I was in in my real life, if that right, makes right, any right. sense. Okay. Like, it was so overwhelmingly positive sure. to see yeah. Tom and Jill are like two heroes to me. Sure. And having them, you know. Um, are they both New England too, right? Uh, no, they're from Chicago. Oh, really? I thought yeah. Tom was by. Tom, sorry. Tom's upstate New York. He was good friends with Paul Kozlowski and Barry Crimmins and Bobcat Goldthwaite, and they all came from that section, but Jill's from Chicago. Oh, okay. So he did time in Boston, though. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Because I've seen some old stand-up videos, and I think he said he, was, he had some crazy hair. Yes. Holy shit. Tom Kenny, by the way, we're talking about. Uh, SpongeBob. Wait, SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, a, he had like a mullet thing that was like uh, with a rat. I don't know. Is, yeah, his, no, you're right. Yeah, you're his right. evening at the improv. If you want to see the craziest hair ever, look at Tom Kenny's evening at the improv. And yeah. he was funny. He He's was a, always been funny. What a good stand-up. He's a great though. singer, too, actually. He has a band. Does he? Yeah. He's very funny. He sings as SpongeBob as well. Um, God, you but, guys, that whole Boston scene is just filled with such unique talent. Like, everybody's like their own force. I think people like, like Barry. Yeah, like good and different. Yeah. Yeah. People like Barry Crimmins. There was mentors. Yeah. There was people above Tony V, uh, Goldthwaite. Yeah. But there was people that would, would take the time to talk to younger people about what's funny, what's not funny, and why maybe this behavior you're doing is not going to let you get any further. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, I think yeah. that's a really nice thing. It's like I how- pay homage to that all the time. Like, I definitely would not be where I'm at as far as a comic if the guys, like, I was in a scene where there were headliners that were still hanging around that would have taught me, like, oh, this is this is common. You know, teach teach me, like, just teach me basics Yeah, that take you a while to figure out on your own, you know? Yeah, and by someone giving you that time, you, you know they approve of you. In mm-hmm. general, yeah. right? You know right, what I right. mean, like yeah, yeah, that yeah. approval of like, hey, let uh, me tell you something. I, mean, I must not be the worst, right? These guys. Well, that's are what good I mean. They wouldn't be helping if they didn't want yeah. to, because they only want to help those that they think would or could turn Succeed. into something mm-hmm. even better than they already are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's really. Barry nice. was hanging out a lot in uh, Melrose Improv before he passed away. He was around a lot. In yeah, LA. so he was here. I drove back across country with him on the way back. And he would be like, uh, and again, he's one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. He helps people all the time, or helped people all the time, and he's still helping from the non-physical. But, but we were driving back across because his knee was bothering him, and he had to get back to get more medicine and, and just get back to his life. And uh, the day before he left, I said, you know what, I'm just going to drive. He was staying at my house. Uh, I lived, had a house at the time in... Um, uh, Alvarado in like Echo Park mm-hmm. and uh, there's lots of staircases that lead up to the place but there's no just one staircase that makes it easier to get there it's all like windy stuff and uh, right. and Barry said when he was leaving he goes I cleaned up the Anne Frank suite <laughs> <laughs> and he said and your fucking Escher painting of a house I won't miss <laughs> I won't miss but when we were driving back and crying, he's actually the one, any Mark Twain quote is from Barry right. telling me these things. But but um, when we were driving back across, like, as you can tell, it's hard to shut me up. And I meet people and I love them immediately. Yeah. And I want to meet everybody. I called my mom a toll booth human because mm-hmm. she, we would pull into the toll with the whole, all the kids in the car. 
And she would say, how are you, George? Or how are you, Sheila? And right. the person in the toll booth would go, oh, Jane, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, so good to see you. And she'd be like, how's your pup? Oh, that's great. Let me see a picture. No way. Beep, beep, yeah, beep, beep. My my I was be already like, honking in my head. Forget <laughs> you, mister. Yeah. Forget you. So for the 10 people behind her yeah. that she's not going to come into contact with, I don't care about them. But this person I'm seeing is important to me. <laughs> and I want them to know it. And yeah. it's not about giving them a quarter every day. It's about them right. being a human being. So anyway, when we're driving back across country, I'm just going in to get get to pay for gas because his knee's bothering him and get cigarettes for mm-hmm. us. I never smoked cigarettes before this trip, but I had to smoke just to not to have a filter on the air. Right. You know? <laughs> and so it we're, was just a healthier choice. It was a much healthier smoking. choice. And also now I get to, now when now when he's trying to go to sleep, I get to go, No, I guess I'm just gonna have three in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I would go into the gas station and after the first and the second one, the third time he's got his arms crossed and he's like, Don't make friends. <laughs> because he doesn't want it to be a 15 minute experience for me he wants it to last 90 seconds or two minutes yeah and you know there was a night there was a night at the steve allen theater where he did my show and he was amazing yeah and, the, and i interrupted it was a country western show and i it's supposed to take place in 1977 so he had plenty of material and he was incredibly funny yep but after the show he's like you know uh, someone else asked me to do the show after this with Ron Lynch and Amit. Like, what, I want to help them. I'm going to do that show, but yeah, you got to get tomorrow show. Yeah, you got to get me some beers. And I did the tomorrow show plenty, but I had to yeah. move everything from my set and get all that stuff back to the place we were going to store it. So I was moving stuff with Evan Kornfeld, uh-huh. who's a great guy. Anyway, moving stuff back to where it has to go. And Barry says, "But you can't just leave. You got to get me some beers. The beers here are shit." <laughs> So I went and bought him I love twelve. Every story about him. So I bought I bought him twelve uh, imported beers. Yeah. And brought them back to him. And I, as I'm giving them to him, he goes, "Oh, these are perfect." I open it and see a meat, and I go, "Oh, I'm going to give a meat one." I give him a meat one, and I turn back, and Barry looked at me like, "You've got to be kidding me! You just gave away one of my beers." <laughs> I'm not joking. And then I show up after the show. He's already done the show with Ron and with the meat, and it's gone very well. He killed and everything, but after the show. I come back to get him, and he's he's hammered. Yep. And I think I, you know he was he tired. He had just gotten to L.A. and all and that adding medication. up. But when I get there, I go, "Come on, Barry, let's go." He's like, "And this." And then it was like wrestling a baby gorilla <laughs> yeah. out out to the minivan that is his minivan. But when he looks at it, he goes, "I said an ambulance." <laughs> and then we get into his car and we turn the music on, and he starts grooving to the music. It's his music. Right. And then he goes, whose car is this? This music is amazing. I'm like, it's your car. And he kind of looks around in it and goes, oh, wow, yeah, okay, okay. But, you know, he he, he was the, he was the hardest drinking man who wasn't an alcoholic that I yeah. ever met mm-hmm. because he was always the next day, he was like back up and at him. Like, I don't know how to explain it. He just didn't seem to have that thing that would take me down, which is like, because as you guys know, as comedians, sometimes we're paid in, beer yeah of course and i always want to be the best paid yeah of course so i used to think like you know i got 11 guinness they only had eight i win yeah yeah, yeah. and there was that aspect of like being able to go boosh with a guinness and then like oh i know give me another give me some more payment yeah Uh, we're we're that funny yeah we need more (laughs) that 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 beer argument reminded me my father always told stories my uncle donald was a was a functional 
He worked at a paper mill, functional alcoholic, and he would drink about 24 Narragansetts a day. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, that's he, awesome. Jesus. And in Maine, uh, back then, you couldn't buy beer on Sundays at the right. Blue Laws. Yeah. And so he always had a 24 case hidden in his closet for Sunday. That's and so good. Inevitably, his brother, uh, my uncle uh, Arthur, would come in and be like, hey, Don, let me get one of those Narragansetts. He'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> I shaved 24 <laughs> fucking Gansetts for me. And then his wife would come in, you guys argue like this every Sunday. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> he wouldn't. He had 24 cans of Narragansett and he couldn't spare one because he was like, I plan ahead. You need to plan ahead too. That's so good. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, my family ran Narragansett Brewing. Really? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, the Constantine. My, my uncle used to pull into uh, our driveway. It was in Rhode Island. Now. Yeah, he yeah. Brewing. He used to pull into our driveway, having come from there, and he'd have a thousand dented beer cans in the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, you can't sell the dented ones. Warm, but they're in the mm-hmm. back of the pickup truck. And yeah. as he walked past us, we'd be playing wiffle ball in the field by my house, or at my house, and he would go... I don't know how many are in the back. How you doing, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Just wanting us to be drinkers so that at some point he'd have someone to drink with. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, too, would have a case underneath the seat of his yep. station wagon. And when we went skiing, I was like 14. Yep. And he was like, John, you got to have a beer. That way, when you fall, it won't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so we're driving. Jesus, and I thought I was an enabler. We're yeah. driving to the pusher. ski. We're driving to the ski thing that's hours away. Yeah. And I'm like sipping on this beer, and eventually he'd be like, "Is that really not done yet? Just get a freshie." <laughs> and then I'd go, "Oh, okay." And I'd start to get the fresh one. I go, "What do I do with this one?" He goes, "Finish it." <laughs> but it's only ha- finish it. Okay, cool. That dude. That's exactly how my dad is. He'll walk in into the living room and he'll see like a quart of a beer at a glass, and he'll be like, "That better be my friggin' son-in-law. No son of mine is not finishing his beer. <laughs> that better be Justin's beer." It's a very strange pride <laughs> yeah. he grew up with. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real, that's a family, that's, that is the next bloodline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how drinking is really woven into the fabric there. Like, it is not, there's zero frowning on it, like, at all. It's the Absolutely. Sa- it is the same way in, like, Chicago and the Midwest. Like, that's why the, it's 4 a.m. bars, except on the weekend, then it's 5 a.m. bars. And everybody <laughs> in there is drinking for sport, like, yes. with their family sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, Jesus Christ, this looks exhausting. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my mom used to say like the tw- the ten o'clock drinkers are here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. you'd be like, what? And you'd be like, well, the two o'clock drinkers are fine. Those people are fine, but the four o'clock drinkers are the people I respect. Yeah, but the ten o'clock drinkers are here now. Mm-hmm. And, be, and eventually, my mother'd be like, the party starts at two. <laughs> you know, like I, those yeah. people that already have four hours ahead of everyone. Yeah, it's too on much. On purpose. Yeah. My friend Murph, his, uh, he had an uncle that would bring six pack to Thanksgiving dinner. And he would only come like on the holidays and he put it under the table instead of in the fridge because he didn't want anyone to take one of his. Your friend Murph wouldn't happen <laughs> to be a drummer, would he? <laughs> no, but I do know another drummer named Murph. Yeah, from Dinosaur Jr. And oh, I love those guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, I, when you said Murph and you're from New England and I know Murph from the Dinosaur Jr. is... Uh, you know, New England guy. I know them, but uh, not well. I, but I, I just went just backstage on a couple of their shows with the last time they were here in L.A. Yeah. My friend Greta Svalberg is somebody who sells their merch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just, uh, I just hung out with them at Fenway Park, actually. Oh, that was it, a great yeah. show I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really fun. That's yeah. so cool. She was at that show, too. I just didn't, yeah, that would have been hilarious to me if you were telling 
Murph beer <laughs> stories. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's weird seeing them play a baseball stadium. Yeah. Well, it's weird seeing anyone play yeah. a baseball yeah, stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were, yeah, they were the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters made sense. Right. They're an arena rock band. Yeah. But like Dinosaur Jr. playing like just you know they they set up as close as possible to each other mm-hmm. like you could they could high five each other all three of them they're like trying cool. to make it like a club as much as possible make it feel comfortable yeah. yeah 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 you ever see the grateful dead would put out those chinese carpets yeah. all over the stage to make them home wherever they went yeah so yeah, they were yeah, always yeah. like the town band in every town they were in they also bought but sound jay the, uh, jay mascus yeah 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 from the dinosaur yeah. junior he was amazing and gifted, and like when you when I watched him play, really for the first time this past year live, I had heard his music before, but I was amazed at how much he's grown and how much he has like elevated his game. Oh yeah, he's the best guitar player. I mean, it it blew me away. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like he was like Hendrix speaking with it. Yeah, you know, and again, not knowing some of their music was probably a positive because it was new to me. Right, but I was really touched by it. I was really like, you know, wow. what I like about him too is that he's not built like your typical virtuoso guitar player. He's got like sausage fingers, you know, and he's got like a big old gut now. And you like when you picture like a rock god or whatever, a guy who can shred. You picture some skinny drug out because you want him to be shredded the yeah. same way he shreds on a guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that, but like he is as good as anybody who's ever done it, and he just doesn't look like it, which makes it way more attractive. I think that's what it me. was for me: is it looked yeah. effortless, but also he didn't look in pain. Yeah, no, like he doesn't seem like he's pained by what he has to do now. He seems sort of delighted to have like this sort of increased notoriety. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's a, he's a living legend. He is. Now. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> I was very impressed with them. It is not the music I would typically have listened to if my friend hadn't been attached to them. Uh-huh. But that's one of the things where you go, man, I got to get out more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do anything unless it's like, I've always loved them. Like, I just don't go and see a lot of new right. stuff. It's funny that you talk about like starting being a duo with David Cross and you being the love and the severity because... Uh, and him being the severity because I just watched his most recent special and it has one of the most severe bits I've ever heard that gun control bit I don't know if you're familiar no, with it no I don't it, know it but like he hasn't lost an ounce of that severity and it sounds like you've held on to like all well he love. has a baby now yeah and so he is um, I see him with other human beings being very loving and yeah. I see him having a lot more patience for other people's opinions uh, and I don't even get to see him very much. Yep. But when I do, I see not a softening of his comedy, but just a softening of the human spirit. Right. Of, of like sort of acceptance in some ways. But the things that he does not accept, he's my favorite person in this life that I've come in contact with that can help pick a target mm-hmm. and figure out how to attack that target. Yeah, yeah, In yeah. that way, I think he's the, he's the great com- commander of comedy. But you guys both, yeah, you just stayed on that, that path, though, it seems like, personality-wise. Yeah. Which is uh, really interesting to me because it makes it makes sense to me why you guys were so good at what you do because you already had a sense of self by that. I feel like me at that college era age, which I was in the military, not college at that time, but like is so different from now that like I don't feel like I've ever had. You in the like, military? Where do you think you get your severity? <laughs> <laughs> I think he had it before. Yeah, yeah I think I, I did too. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think it just made it may, way more yeah. severe. That's just, that's just where we go. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean to interrupt. No, it came fine. into my head. It was a sharpening of the yes. severity knives. Right. But I just think that like a lot of the comics and, and entertainer people that are so great kind of knew who they were from a young age. And uh, at least, or they have like kind of a trajectory. And I just, that's something I've always struggled with where I was like, I just have no idea. 
Well, no I, I, I loved uh, yelling. You yeah, know, you're the best yeller. So I was many meant to of say my that. things, I was just yelling it mm-hmm. all the time. And somebody said to me once, well, you seem angry when you're yelling all the time. And I'm like, well, because I yell in that world, I don't really have to yell in real life. I, like, get it out through my art. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's also makes sense for the David Cross thing because then the comedy is the outlet for the severity. He that's can what be, I was trying to explain, yeah. but yes, mm-hmm. you just said it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I think that's what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that there's a... It's the release valve. Yeah. And some people, if they gain the fame and attention that they've been looking for, um, they don't know where to go mm-hmm. from there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like certain bands, their first album, their second album are amazing. Their garage band album yep. is amazing. But when they get to that fourth album, you're like, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, Where did it go? Where did the songwriting go? Where did the, you know, the part of them I liked go or whatever? Like even with the Cars yep. uh, or um, Jay Giles' band. You know, I loved Jay Giles' band so much. And then all of a sudden, freeze frame, damn, 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 damn. What happened? You know, like, where did my favorite band go? Why did they have to sell out and make this poppy tune? Well, then later on, you go, well, I guess they didn't know it was going to be a poppy huge hit. They were just trying to come up with more music. But Mm -hmm. I couldn't forgive them at the time. I'm like, no, I'm not into them anymore. You ruined things for me. Yeah, you put that (laughs) fucking song. Now everyone knows who you are because of a shitty song. I think a lot with bands, the thing that separates good from great is that the people who are really good are responding to their environment. And so when the environment is gnarly and, and tough, the music comes out as gnarly and tough and cool. And then when things get easy... What are they responding to? Yeah, and like Neil great- Young's a good example of someone who will head towards the severe atmosphere yeah. to keep his music that way. Right, yeah, yeah. And the great ones like find it within them. They, they, they're not reacting to the environment. They're creating from within. I think that separates the good from the great. And that's no, why like the that. third albums are always garbage, usually. So often. Yeah, because yeah, so it's, so it's so hard to be like, oh, but see, I have no struggles. I have no money troubles. <laughs> yeah. I have all the women I could ever want. Um, uh, if this album doesn't sell, fine. we're going to take all your stuff away. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be in that position. That's what was good for Jay Maskis. That's probably why he kept growing, is they never broke through. Mm-hmm. You know, they were always a college rock band. That's a good point. So he, he continued to grow. I think not breaking through until you're way later is really good. I mean, a perfect example of that is, is Burr. Yeah, Bill Burr. He yeah. didn't really get his main real Are you familiar with Bill Burr? Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, he is Boston. I, I, like, turned Bob, I like Bill. Yeah. Bill has a great show on now, a cartoon called F is for Family. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love that. It's really cartoon. strong. And the third season's coming out, and I think few months oh nice yeah, yeah i was yeah. very impressed with that and happy for him that he did find a way to break through and let his material come through another device rather than just the stand-up mic mm-hmm. what is it about boston why are all my like all, i mean not we well, can't answer the question why are my favorites from yeah, boston w- but why, why all, do i like this stuff tell <laughs> why, me why what a pipeline what the hell is what, what is it with boston i think there's something about it where we're not new york yeah, and New York fucking won. Like when I was forty, they had won thirty-two years in the fucking against the Red Sox thirty-two times. So we had eight times when we didn't when they didn't beat us. And that yeah. doesn't even mean we won. Yeah, it just no. means the Yankees didn't beat us that season. So yeah. that fucking shadow of New York was over us for so long, and people really identify with sports there. Oh yes. So now that we're winners, it changes things a little bit. But you know, I think. L.A. So you think this is sort of the sh- top hit? Well, so many people would say to me after I moved to Los Angeles, had been here five, ten years, and I'd go back, and they'd be like, "Well, you're not really from here no more." <laughs> 
You missed one winner. <laughs> you missed one winner. <laughs> I mean, it's really you didn't get your teeth kicked in for yeah. six months. So well, you that's don't live what I mean. Anymore. It's it's yeah. legitimate in that they're like you're living out there in the land of avocados, whatever. <laughs> you know, like they'll find something positive and turn it into a negative, as if like you know. That's impressive. Yeah, that's it is impressive, impressive. and and there's something about. I do the accent, the Boston accent, in a lot of different things, and I love doing a Boston accent because I came from it. But the truth is, so much of the smartest people I ever met were from New England. Oh, of course. You know, there were so many people it's whose knowledge... Are. Yeah, yeah it's sure. where all the colleges are, lots of great teachers. You know, there was, there was a lot of uh, camaraderie in that world, and to come out to Los Angeles, you, you feel kind of alone at first, and then you go, oh, you're from Boston? Oh, no shit. Yeah, let's talk it through. Yeah. And so there's a thing like that, that, but I do think that people from Boston, if they break through and they make it to Los Angeles or New York, there's a real determination to not let those places get them down. Sure. Would you consider yourself a, a were you kind of a, a rebellious youth? Absolutely. I was troubled. That actually makes a lot of sense because your attachment to love and positivity could be a direct rebellion of that environment, which is constantly you have don't don't be a fucking queer about it, like constantly just negging and like nut checking each other and like ball busting, all of that stuff. A direct <laughs> rebellion of that would be like I love all of you. I yeah, I went great, to an know? all boys school, Zavarian Brothers High School in Westwood, and I think I thought that, you just said Aryan Brothers, but I was that like, school Jesus. was filled with love. Right. So I had come from like the public school system and sort of couldn't go through it anymore. Uh, was getting in fights, was having some troubles, and then this school really straightened my shit out. And like they let me do like talks to kids from broken homes. And the first thing I would say is, "Broken homes? What's wrong with these people? Is your home broken?" Yeah, you live with your grandmother. That doesn't mean you have a fucking leaking roof. Right, right. Like yeah, these yeah. terms that they're giving us for me to talk to you is ridiculous. What would you call your home? And like, you know, yeah. making it breaking down mm -hmm. the sort of structure that's given to us and how we don't have to accept that. We can say whatever we want. You know, we can do whatever we want. We can be who we want and be proud What's that you're from. That's, a, like a pl that's a platform that I'm constantly pulling from as far first from stand up because I my whole essence is just don't tell me what to do and that's co me constantly saying you don't have to do any of these things you're being enslaved by all of these ideas right. that you have you're not forced to do it's just people annoying you with it but, and you but, can just be like i don't want to do that yeah and I, I think that's wonderful because i do also think that when we find an authority figure who has respect for the fact that we hate them mm -hmm. because they were the same way at one point uh -huh. instead of being mad at us back to the all the way back to the beginning of like not being mad at a kid for sure. doing something that most people would say is wrong but instead saying oh this is a perfect opportunity for growth mm -hmm. because by doing something that no one here appreciated let's talk about why you did that and if that felt good to you and why and how we're not mad at you for it you yeah. know and that's when i, I had a authority figure uh who's passed into the non-physical now but in uh, high school who basically said to me what makes you do something like that and instead of saying you're suspended or you're expelled or you're you know you're out they were just like what makes you do something like that and i was like i don't fucking know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? nobody's ever gone this far with yeah you. that's what i mean about what i'm doing the exploration has been you're wrong and you did it wrong and that's not okay you know mm -hmm. so to ask somebody ask what makes you think then you go 
oh, there are forces to blame. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason mm-hmm. why I'm this way and what are those reasons and how do I begin to shift because now that I'm going to make my own choices, like at 16, I was already, I left home and went down to the Cape to work for the summer and realized I'm a man. I have a house to live in. I hitchhike back and forth because my mother won't ever sign something that lets me drive. Right. <laughs> so uh, I'm a, I'm empowered. I'm mm. doing whatever I want to do every day and every night, and nobody can tell me to do something different. And if they do, I'll go, okay, yeah. Pff. Right. You know, like I'll give them the okay, yeah, but the pff is private. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what am I going to do now? Because if it's my choice and it's my decisions, I can't really be mad at anybody anymore for it. Yeah. You know, so at that point, it starts to lighten up a little bit, starts to not feel like so much pressure. I think there's a lot of kids today who they put on meds early on. And just like I was talking about how I can cry when I'm getting change, they don't have the emotional sobriety from even just like Prozac or or one of the drugs that is a helper because they're being told this will solve our problem in this mm-hmm. family. Well, it's really an inconvenience. Yeah, it's inconvenient to have somebody upset mm-hmm. at the dinner table. Yeah. Or As at the breakfast table. As opposed to doing all the, again, having the patience and doing all of the work, because it's work. That's the other thing, too, it, that that I can't stand is people having kids that, uh, that don't want to do the work of having a kid. You know what I mean? Right. It's not really fair to them. It's not. And it's not fair. It's not fair to for you to put a, a new person in that kind of position. It's not their fault. You're the one that did it. You didn't have to. We have options. This isn't a place where that's illegal. Right. And so there's really no reason. If you didn't want to do this, then you you shouldn't have done it. And I never told my kids that they had to be actors or anything like that. But I noticed that, like, they could score a touchdown or hit a home run in a softball game for my daughter or whatever. But, like, they could do something miraculous in sports. And I'd be like, great job. That was great. But if they had two lines in a play... Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, my God, <laughs> that was unbelievable. Right. And so as a result, I am sort of begging them in through my yeah. enthusiasm for that part of their yeah, lives. Positive reinforcement. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, but also because it's true. I wasn't pretending to be thrilled. I just can't believe that something that I had as a, as a focus is now something that I can help them with. Right. Because my talents are limited. <laughs> so it's good to have them I mean, do something. Like crushing it. That I can form. Well, she is, but she's teaching me. I mean, I really mean that. My daughter yeah. is, is in her late 20s, not 25, 26, whatever, but, but she's teaching me. And every time I work with her, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to use that. You yeah. know, every time. She's so prepared and she's done so much to be where she's at. I, at that age, I hadn't even begun. And you raised them in L.A.? Uh, my daughter, mo- we moved here with Jesse when she was two, uh, and so the other two were born here. But, yeah, they've all yeah. grown up here where, in the land of bare feet and avocados. I was going to say, is there, is that, uh, do you kind of wish they had a few winters? No, I don't wish for anything that isn't. I just, uh, right. it's okay. more. <laughs> I, 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 no, no, I'm just being, I really don't. I don't spend time on that. But I do, I do feel that, that, like, both my daughters went back to New York for school. Like, my daughter mm-hmm. went to Sarah Lawrence. My other daughter went to Barnard. My son's talking about going to the East Coast. Like, I like the idea that wherever we're from, we have to move from there. Yep. Right. You couldn't stay in Florida. No. You couldn't stay in Maine. No. I couldn't stay in Boston because we outgrow it in our minds. Right. We don't really outgrow it, but yeah, we. It's but just it's just a place. It's just it's a place. A but it's the place between our ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we say, I got to get this place well, out of here. It's a place here. full of people who want you to stay the same. That's right. Too. And then change again is a threat. Yeah. And so if we if we change and we grow and they don't, they're like, "Fuck you for yeah, that." Yeah. Oh, you. 
fancy you pants. You fucking think you're so fat. That's a perfect word. Fancy yeah. pants. <laughs> oh, look at fancy pants getting a job. <laughs> oh, look at Taking you earning risks. a living. What the hell's yeah. wrong it's with you? It's almost pathetic. <laughs> but there is a, an aspect, too, of like, you got out. Mm-hmm. You escaped. Yep. You made that move that I was unable to make. And I felt that way about people who were leaving. I mean, there was like, we were in a comedy group in Boston just expecting some helicopter to fly in and right. pick some of us to bring us to the land of right. opportunity. It's not that far off, though. You guys kind of did do that. Well, I mean, David called me and said, come on out here. There's a show. It was called Today's Army. and It was about a sketch group. And I played a, um, a gay man who always had a sugar daddy dropping him off at rehearsal. That was the script, I swear to God. So me and my wife and my daughter drove all the way across country and stopped in Texas at my mom's and came out here to be on that show. And by the time we got here, that show was over. So now I'm waiting tables at the Daily Grill in Studio City. And and like I really, truly thought I was going to be in limos, and I was on buses. (laughs) And I, you know, my imagination got away with me for like not the first or second time. David and I had moved out to LA several times for the summer and tried to experience what's it going to be like. And again, it was a struggle. We didn't get, we couldn't get like spots at the comedy clubs. We couldn't just go up. You know, David was doing stand up at like 15 in Atlanta. Yeah. And people like Murph, uh, not A. Murphy Brown, what's his name? Uh, oh my gosh, how does that name escape me? Jeff Foxworthy? No, Jesus, no. Um, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a guy who thing. was on SNL for a while as one of the commentators, but something Brown. Anyway, he got David up at a young age. Like, don't be afraid of these people. Like, right. these people that are trying to intimidate you, they just don't want more people doing it. And and David got up very early and was already really good when he got to college yeah. and doing stand up. He was already really proficient and he had real jokes and a real act and he was already strong at seventeen. You know. Fuck. But it wasn't club comedy back then. Now that comedy makes sense in a club, but I imagine it was difficult for him because he's in a time where everybody's wearing those oversized. A suit Whitney jackets. Brown. No, it, A Whitney Brown. A Whitney yeah. Brown would introduce him and give him legitimacy for the fact that he's trying something at such a young age. Please support this guy, and they would. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean it was easy for him, but I'm just saying that there there is that mentor thing that when yeah. somebody cares about what you're doing and says, "Wow, you're different." You know, you're you're not the typical it's that person. positive influence and respect. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so to have that at a young age means you give it back to others. You know, and like there's lots of people who didn't like the way David would talk to them or sure. behave with them around them, but he just doesn't have patience for something that he's not sort of inspired for back then. Yeah. You know, if it inspired him, he's in. But if it's he's, not inspiring to him, he's like, you're wasting my time. He's 20 years old. I mean, you can't expect 20 year old. Yeah. But but so you you were moving here in the summer. With him in L.A. Because I've heard stories that he told about like some gnarly living situations. Yeah, we some... stayed in a car. Yeah, yeah. So you, you were along for all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were together for a lot of that. We we drove across country, and his friend Paul Clay, who was a stand up, very noted stand up at the time, he had to leave once we got to L.A. in his brand new Golf Volkswagen yeah. Golf. It was the first Golf. It was very impressive. But as we drove across <laughs> country, David and I had never driven a stick shift, and the Paul's car was a stick shift, so. I wasn't allowed to drive because Paul didn't know me yet and did not trust all my pot smoking. Right. But David would drive by, they would switch driver, passenger at 60 miles an hour on the highway. Why not just pull over? Yeah, because he can't get it started in gear and really oh, pulls right, the right, car. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> so, so, but Paul, what Paul didn't realize that his new car, once we got to LA, was also going to be our apartment. <laughs> and so we would like three dudes in a golf. Well, he three Paul left. Okay, so it was just the two. So it was David and myself. Oh my god! And we would like 
put towels in the windows and find an underground parking garage mm-hmm. that didn't heat up right away. Right. And that's where we started in L.A. We just started by sleeping in those places until a friend of mine said we could stay there for a night, and we stayed for a month. Nice. Yeah, see, I did all that living when I was, I mean, I guess I was in bands and stuff, but I was doing it with no goal, really. It was just, just wondering where this is going to take yeah, me. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was just the gross and shady and sketchiness of it without, like, there wasn't, like, a comedy apple hanging in front of my head at the time. I was just living in squalor for kind of no reason. <laughs> I remember leaving my house, um, whether on the Cape or in Needham, just going up to the road and sticking out my thumb with nowhere to go. Uh-huh. But I just wanted to have an experience mm-hmm. that wasn't the experience I was in. Yeah. And I wasn't afraid of hitchhiking anymore. I used to go like this. I put my thumb out. And for, for you folks on the radio or on the podcast world, I would pump my, my arm and go <laughs> and do like a circular thing with my thumb. And then I had a sign. If I could see the people's faces and could tell that they were cool, I would flip the sign around from I need a ride to I will smoke a bone. <laughs> smoke a joint with these people and that would be the thing. how old were you the first time you smoked weed 12 lifelong yeah. love. Life, lifelong love and i would um the first time i was at newman junior high school and i had moved from wellesley to needham and somebody was like come here they had a secrets box full of like pinners they were selling for a yeah. buck a piece in the church parking lot and classic I, and i just smoked like half of it and was like this doesn't even work Right, and I like put it out, put it into a piece of paper, put it in my pocket, and then as I walked home, I realized, oh my god, I'm three feet off the ground. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and I really did feel three feet off the ground. Like, oh wow, this is like, how am I going to find the ground every time? Like, whoa, <laughs> this is really something. And that was too much. But eventually, as you know, mm-hmm. it starts to be like, oh, now it just makes me sort of feel the way I am. It went by effortlessly. Yeah, the really two did. of you are lovely people. And Brian, who I call Drew. <laughs> Carmen, who I call wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with both of you. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything you want to promote or plug? Sure. The Yard Theater is at 4319 Melrose Ave, not far from uh, Vermont. It's in between Vermont and Normandy on Melrose. It's still sort of a nice little uh, unkempt area, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of nice things coming in. There's a fantastic coffee shop around the corner called Cuties, who we're partnering with. It's an LGBTQ place who has events on Sunday, and they're just, they've shined up the neighborhood in a way of just bringing bright energy to it. And then there's lots of businesses around here that, that I'm fans of. But also, I've got a film coming up. Watch for my short films, because I have done 60 shorts or more in the last three years. Oh, wow. And so every, every year, every year, every year. Well, that, well, that's how I ended up with Josh Lear, uh-huh. uh, who we just did. Carmen and I met by doing a video with this kid, Josh Lear, last mm-hmm. week. A music video, yeah. And I woke up in the morning going, what did I agree to? Yeah, I did too. <laughs> but I then I got there, and his <laughs> eyes, his eyes, he's like just magical. His, his eyes are so filled with that, like, I can't believe this is really happening. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a fantastic day. Yeah. He never stopped feeling that way. Even at the end when we had literally gotten through all of the shots he wanted, but now we've got 10 minutes to do my rap performance. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes. And we haven't practiced. You had to nail it, too. We had rap. to just go through it. And I he was trying to practice. But he I was, was like, so good mm-hmm. at just saying, that's okay. You know what? We're going to cut this and this and this, and we'll just keep it to these things that you talked about that you liked, and we'll just do those ones. But instead of, 
well, we can't. We got to do this, or we got no. He, there was never one moment of rage in that boy. Mm-hmm. And I say boy, and he's probably twenty eight. <laughs> but, but there was no anger. There was no shame. There was no blame to mm-hmm. go to, around to the team he had assembled. It was just like, okay, well, this is what's still possible. Yeah. And I loved it. I yeah, loved every minute great. of meeting all you guys. I got to meet how many Florida comedy people yeah, there were was there. A, it was a Florida because Josh is a, a Florida comic. Oh, okay. it was a dais of Florida comedy <laughs> while I was listening. To, we were working on a scene that was MOS and I was listening in the background that all these people riffing with each other, enjoying each other yeah. and also feeling really lucky to be together. Yeah. And that's uh, the hope is that that whole group comes in here and does a show. So where know? do they find your shorts? Where do people find them? Uh, that's just what I'm asking. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, t- I'm in a m- the midst of doing something that might be called tentative title is like John Ennis 54 still in shorts. But <laughs> but I because I have so many of them. I mean every festival I'm at always yep. got a short in one of the festivals. I got one right now coming up this week at uh uh, I just was in Hollywood Shorts Festival. We were in Sundance. We were in South by like, but it's all different shorts. So right. I guess the the top ones that have gotten the most hits verbatim is like over six million hits right now. That's mm-hmm. a film I did a few years ago with a guy named Brett Weiner, who's now got a feature coming out. Uh, but he did a thing with New York Times opinion documentaries. But they bought the short once he made it. Right. So he had an idea that they decided was worthy, and then they made him do a dozen more. I should say, hired him and let yeah. him do a dozen more <laughs> of the same type Chained of him work. To a radiator and said, "Make more." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but he got hired, and now he's a feature director, and you know, good for him. And then another one is called uh, "Unreasonable Request," and that one is is sort of untoward, and I wouldn't watch that if you're a young person without the permission of yourself. Uh, but 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 it has this sort of energy to it that's like why would you do that is what some people say to me and I said because I read the script and my, the person who does my pre-reads for me was like you're not going to want to do that and I was like give me that <laughs> because I love material that feels yeah, he does that all the time right? Right? You, anytime you, you're like you're not you're not going to want to well, uh, you maybe I, I do want to I right? do because if it's more of a thing. struggle to figure out how it's going to happen there's more to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, as an audience. Well, it also gives you an excitement, like a there's going to be a challenge. Yeah. You, know? you think about shows like Breaking Bad and you go, one of the things we loved about it as an audience was that it made us do the work. It made mm-hmm. us sort through what do we know so far? Right. You know, what, what could this mean? Where could this lead us? Is this a red herring? Whatever all that work is, it's dynamic work. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I get to be involved. Like, I might know more than my friends know about what's about to happen, and I can't wait to tell them I know. When it, like, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> That's what I thought would happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's That's what I had with the last Chappelle special when he did that callback. Yep. Because I know how stand-up works, and he had this callback at the end that I saw coming a mile away, but I was watching it with people. Comics who don't do, or people who don't do stand up, I mean. And I was sitting on the couch just biting my tongue. Yes. My legs were like, You were doing the comedic like, math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you knew. Yeah, yeah. And then he did the callback, and I was like, I fucking knew it. But I didn't want to ruin it for you guys. <laughs> That's great. I do that with theater well, because yeah. I'm such a theater person and I love reading plays. Yeah. I'm, I just went to this wonderful play uh, called Damaged Furniture in the Valley at the White Fire Theater. It was fantastic. And halfway through, there was a woman who's like, 85 in the front row and doesn't know we can hear what she's saying. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. And she did one of these like, I think the money's in the chair. (laughs) (laughs) And that wasn't the part that I knew. What I said to the guy who was with me who's not a theater goer, my friend Jason, who was really thrilled to have seen some theater, but I leaned over and I go, watch this. That coffee's coming back. 
Like yeah. uh, the thing they just dropped. That's mm-hmm. the strongest joke. We were all roaring at it. There's no way the playwright doesn't bring that thing back into the next act. And he's like, I don't understand. What do you mean? Why would that I be? Don't, a- I, don't I go, it. just watch. And when it happens, you can give me a nudge. And he just was like, <gasps> you know, when they came back. But it's yeah. the same thing. Comedic yeah. math, theater math. It's yeah. like, you know, when you spend 10,000 hours at something, you start yeah. to sort of figure it out a little yeah, bit yeah, more and a little patterns. bit more and a little bit when more. you obsess about something yes. and start scrutinizing everything about it. Yes. Yeah. When yeah. we're on the edge of enlightenment. <laughs> well, thank you so much for Thanks doing so that. Thank you, it's Brian. Great to meet you. Thank Make you, Make sure you guys uh, subscribe. Write us in a nice little uh, review on the iTunes. Follow us on all the assorted social media at no Sir Pod at Brian J. Vokey, at Carmen Mur- at the funny Carmen. Uh, thank you. And <laughs> also, my Carmen. phone number is 213, <laughs> I'm serious, 453-7429. And if any artist needs help, I'm here. No, sir, I don't like it. 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 No 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 sir, I don't like it.